podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. Why am I whispering? I want to bring them in in a quiet, delicate way. I hope the music is faded out by now. Only I have control over when that happens. Man. There are 856 of you who got the podcast last week when the music hadn't faded out to Andy's satisfaction. I think finally it was proven <laughs> that Matt also is a flawed individual. Oh, well, 100%. <laughs> Not as flawed as most. I didn't really need that. Um, hi, I'm hi, Matt. Folks. That's I'm, Andy. I'm Andy over here. Uh, we are trekking <laughs> through the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's a bad uh, catchphrase. Can't believe we took till now to arrive at We Are Trekking. <laughs> I remember in the 80s when I would go to Star Trek conventions with my mother, there would be t-shirts that said, keep on trekking. You know, it's, oh, you know, it was a different one. I was about to say, I went to at least two Star Trek conventions. Yeah. Um, and uh, they showed, uh, and I thought it was from this episode we're about to watch today, uh-huh. um, images from that episode. But I'm realizing it's a later one where, where, uh, where Data is Sherlock Holmes. Yes, um, I forget which season that happens. He finds out about Sherlock this season, right? And then and they discuss Moriarty becomes self-aware in the next. Whoa, season. whoa! I'm whoa. sorry, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert, everybody! Great. Um, yeah. So this was the big goodbye. This is the first real holodeck malfunction episode in the history of the genre. Uh, of the genre? Uh, there's a genre of holodeck malfunction episodes that continue throughout the rest of Star Trek series. Oh, well, the, the genre within this series. The genre within the series, yes. yes. So your your next gen, your your Voyager, your D Space Nines, all have holodeck problems. Yeah. No holodeck problems on the Enterprise of Enterprise because they had yet to have that technology. That's true. Although when I was digging into holodeck history, because yeah. I was very confused, which I'm sure we'll get into. Oh, we're going to get into it. Uh, wh- when ex- how exactly familiar these people are with holodeck, even though it's been on their ship since since the ship launch. But it seems like in the Enterprise era, there was also another species that had um, a holodeck. And then it was two centuries later when the Federation finally got it. Yeah. Well, the way VR is going now, I think we're much closer to having a holodeck. Absolutely. Guy just showed me on his iPhone uh, a, a VR thing the other day. Yeah. And I, I've been really deep diving into my PlayStation virtual reality. Yeah. Uh, Matt's been on the There's a guy out the there. Room? There's a guy out there doing this it. thing called Stage 9. Okay. It's a full... He wants to do every deck of the enterprise d in full three-dimensional virtual reality using the unreal engine and there are youtube videos now of like his stage nine update i highly recommend watching it it's incredible and i love it so much that i desperately want to build a gaming pc that i can run this on i'm with you so sounds amazing my dream is to just 
walk around the Enterprise. That's what I loved about Star Trek The Experience. That was my favorite thing about it in Las Vegas was that the ride, part of the ride was being beamed onto the transporter. You get beamed on. You're in transporter room two, I think. Uh-huh. You're walked through the corridor by someone in a Starfleet uniform. It's an emergency situation. The ship's at red alert. You get on a turbo lift. Turbo lift opens. You're on the bridge of the Enterprise. You know what's awful? I think I was there. I went with a fellow geeky friend. Yeah. And the line was so long. You missed out. That we didn't go. Dude, it was like. <laughs> They're uh, never going to build that again? No, I went three or four times. The cool thing. Well, I, mean, I can't believe in Vegas. So it's Matt's home away from home, home as it is. Home, and you can we're recording, the we're recording on a Saturday <laughs> because I'm going tomorrow to Vegas. There you go. Um, yeah. No, it was it was Star Trek. The experience. If you never got a chance to ride, I'm sorry. Um, but it was amazing. It was incredible. It was my favorite attraction in the world that i'd ever been on i can imagine but it was so cool because you'd go onto the bridge the bridge is at red alert everything's to scale Riker is in the shuttle bay with laforge talking to the bridge <laughs> that's a film though that was a film yeah, yeah. but you know you know how, how do they beam you in it's it was amazing so you were you were you were the guise of the ride was you would get into line, much like your Star Tours line, where you'd be you'd be getting ready to ride a motion simulator ride in sure. Las Vegas. Right. Then all of a sudden, the room would go, like, you'd start to hear stuff, and the room would start to flash. Then what they did in, like, I forget how many infinitesimal of a second it was, but they had this huge lift thing that would remove the walls and the ceiling while it was dark the ceiling would go and the walls would come up and you'd see flashes of light and you'd feel this rush of air from the giant ceiling being moved and the wall going up and all of a sudden behind that wall and behind that ceiling is the transporter room so it felt like you were beamed into the enterprise that sounds amazing it was incredible and you're all standing on a transporter pad, and someone in a Starfleet uniform says, uh, Sir, we've got them. <laughs> and then you're walked through the corridors onto the turbo lift onto the bridge of the Enterprise D. It's incredible. I'm just so upset. I and wish that premise, someone would rebuild the it. The premise of the um, ride is that one of us, one of the people that were beamed on board the ship, is a descendant of Captain Jean Luc Picard. And a Klingon, a rogue ancestor. Klingon. An ancestor, yes. What did I say? Descendant. Yep. Um, and a Klingon, a rogue Klingon had gone back in time to Las Vegas, Nevada, 1990-whatever. This is before they relocated to France. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, um, to kill us, to kill whoever the ancestor was so Picard would never be born. So it then was it it rested on the ship's shoulders to uh, save Captain Picard, send us back to our time, and you then got brought down to the shuttle bay, and boarded the motion simulator ride, which was the shuttlecraft, and you flew around a nebula, fighting Klingons, running away from them, ending up going through a time vo- portal uh, where you were on the Las Vegas Strip, flying away from. There was a Klingon. 
bird oh of prey flying God. over Las oh Vegas this trip. is a downer i love <laughs> it was great. dark rides i love uh, well it wasn't a dark it was a motion motion simulator, simulator right? Yeah. right it was so good though but i love i love all manner of because i'm a scaredy cat yeah. when it comes to it's pretty much everything at disneyland i can ride but the the harsh uh, roller coasters yeah. you just can't take them you know when my when it was closing when we found out it was closing my buddy uh joe flew out and we went one last time the weekend before it closed. Uh, we why don't they it. reopen it? We rode it like four times. Uh, what's got to happen? I hope they don't do a freaking Kelvin version of it. No, it's just gone. They lost their license. The, the licensing, it expired. The CBS Paramount licensing expired for that hotel. The Hilton is no longer called the Hilton. It's now was the, the Westgate. Was the motion simulator the coolest part of it, though? No. No. No, the coolest part of it was... Being on the real, bri- you know, as close as I could ever get to being on the real bridge of the Enterprise D. Well, that is until I build my. Well, that's why I don't have to worry about attic it. bridge because <laughs> all I have to do is have uh, Myra become a, a crazy millionaire. Yeah, just get a you know, hundred million. Get a couple, get a couple showrunner things going. Yeah, and then I can go over and hang out. At yeah, it. and then obviously, if we want a drink, we can go down to our basement, which is Cheers. Uh huh. It's gonna be great. Sounds fun gonna be a real cool house guys <laughs> you're all invited andy i forgot to say whether or not they should watch the big goodbye right go ahead really yeah interesting i mean you have to again in the first season i feel like you're getting a lot of me saying yes you should watch it because it's the first of things like last week the introduction of loxana troy right um this week you know what we're seeing is the first of the holodeck malfunction episodes so I'm saying yes. Watch the big goodbye. All right, um, but be warned. It's logically doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, then I guess it's uh, just time to uh, open the hailing frequencies. Let's do it. Uh, oh, Andy didn't plug in. in. <laughs> we, I asked you before. We were. Oh, I, I was so excited. We had. We, that we're finally on track, and we of course, really doing we're not. It. I was. This is the saddest part of my life. Really, is when we fuck up on this podcast. Feeling great, but you about, know what? I think the audience at home only cares a bit. Uh, you know, I think it's a split vote. Some yeah. people enjoy. I think. I think it's. I think the people at home are comforted by our failures. <laughs> They're like, you know what? Maybe I'm not doing so bad. I got it more together than these schmoes. <laughs> if two dumb Hollywood writers can fuck up as much as them, things are gonna be okay. Anyway, what, uh, what is it? it's still not working. What did well, I do? Your not on? It's on. Well then, tell me what it's time for. All right, hang on. It's time to open hailing frequencies. I have a feeling it's still not gonna work. I plugged into the wrong thing. Is it not working? No, you're not. You're you're in. There it is. Captain, we are being hailed. There we go. Jesus Christ. What a nightmare. Anyway. um, uh, All right. Uh, Our first letter is from Austin Plue. Uh, I've never seen SD. Uh, I've never been a, a Star Trek uh, Next Generation fan, so I've not seen any of the episodes. I'm watching them with Andy for the first time, so I enjoy all the commentary you provide. Uh-huh. I think you should do a segment called "Did They Do It," where you guess whether two crew members or characters have had sex, but it just wasn't shown on the episode. Oh, okay. I guess my guess is he's probably asking about Crusher and Picard. I assume so. I may have a theory on that later. Oh, I can't wait uh, to find out. Azadi Rahi, uh, who had written us before. Azadi? 
uh, <laughs> Aramzadi, um, uh, just added to the letter from last time. Hi, just wanted to add the ter- this is regarding the term Ferengi. The term Ferengi is used across the Middle East and in Central Asia, as well as where my fam is from. The Arabic term is totes used in Farsi, uh, spoken largely in Iran and Afghanistan with the same meaning. That's cool. interesting. Sarah Billingsley uh, wrote us, Hey, Matt and Andy, I'm so glad you brought up the where do the holodeck sextovers go question. <laughs> As I was wondering the same thing. Maybe they have a THX-1138 style collection system that transfers uh, the matter to the matter-antimatter chamber, much like the poo theory. I don't remember <laughs> that part of THX-1138. Do you know what she's referring to? I haven't seen it since college, so. Okay. So I you haven't seen remember. it since George Lucas did his original thesis project on it. That's right. Uh, we were old buddies at USC. <laughs> THX one one thirty eight three EB, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, nerd boy. alert! Uh, or maybe there's a drain on the floor. Gross. Why is Deanna <laughs> Troy? Here's another question she has about this yeah. episode. Why is Deanna Troy calling Riker Bill, which she had called him that in a in I think Encounter to Farpoint? Yeah, Far it Point. happened like twice throughout the series. I thought she called him Will. Um, and she and the last question is uh, also: Do you think Deanna Troy's marriage announcement box is related to Jambi the genie, which is something that had occurred to me? A descendant of Jambi, and I was too I was too lazy to dig up the clip, but I did this time. So this is Jambi the genie from Pee Wee's Play. Oh, first let me play. This is uh, this is the, uh, the the announcement box from Next Gen. Oh, it's booting. I hold a message for Deanna Troy, Laxana Troy, and the Honorable Miller family will soon arrive. The momentous day is close at hand. Rejoice! <laughs> and now here is Jambi. Mecca like a high, Mecca hiney ho. Originally, Phil Hartman. Uh, that's right. No. Yeah, whatever. Phil Hartman was the um, was the pirate. He wasn't the genie. Uh, not, was it not the pirate? The uh, I don't know. He was he was like a who Lawrence Fishburne drunken. play. <laughs> was Lawrence Fishburne seriously in this? Yeah. That is astounding. He was the cowboy. Cowboy. Uh, cowboy Roy. Oh my God, that's Lawrence Fishburne? That's the greatest thing ever. What do you mean? Of course, it's blackish as Lawrence Fishburne. I can't believe it. I don't I, know. He was already in Clockwork Orange. Uh, not Clockwork Orange. Um, um, the Matrix. Apocalypse Now. Oh. Um, by that point. Um, okay. So, uh, well, do anyway. you think they're related? Do you think they're descendants of each other? The, the cowboy and. Uh, no. <laughs> The box and the and the genie, um, possibly he was the. I imagine that uh, Phil Hartman was the sailor. You're 100 percent correct. I imagine Jambi exists in all times. Oh. <laughs> the box is just a piece of t- terrible technology. A little bit of that. A little bit of that fantasy fun. 
Do you know what uh, kind of annoys me is the fact that in the season four uh, cast and crew Goldberg's photo, I'm holding the fucking Lord of the Rings sword. He kind of he kind of stuck you with it. <laughs> it's just like that's why, honestly, no, I that's I why Secunda's a superior strategist in that moment because I saw it happening and I, I stepped away from Goldberg oh, when he was boy. waving around Sting, which honestly I would have loved to have as a child. Sting. Yes. That's the name of that sword? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's Bilbo's sword. Bilbo. That he passed on Bilbo to Bilbo Baggins. Um, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, yeah. Nice crossover, pal. You're welcome. Uh, Keith Edwards uh, on the, uh, the I mean, holodeck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank you. You said nice crossover, and I said you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, so... <laughs> Um, Keith Edwards, also on the holodeck issue, wrote us that Jonathan Frakes' joke that the holodeck smells like bleach and shame. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter today. That was really funny. Eric Johnson, uh-huh. Johnston, wrote us, uh, oh, this is in regards to my, uh, my Go-Go's fandom and my, uh, musing on Jade Wendland being the geekiest. Wyland. Am I really? Yeah. Am I really wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think it's Wheatland. All right. <laughs> I'm going to, I, I will be very upset if I've been saying it wrong all these years and I'm fairly certain. I have I'm to right. imagine that you are more correct than me in this. Um, uh, anyway, she, he says, hey, Andy, uh, I think I, I'm, I'm positive I knew this at some point. Hey, Andy, Jane Wheatland had a cameo on Star Trek The Voyage Home as a comms officer, I believe. Star Trek 4. At Starfleet um, Academy when the whales are coming in. That's right. Now, I'm going to just give you the uh, the the uh, this, the um, the option yeah. of overcoming your laziness and editing this out. But I feel like uh, we should leave in this fairly negative letter to uh, uh, counterbalance. Well, you know how to best counterbalance it. Forward it to me right now. I'm going to read it. Uh, can I already edited it? Can I just read it and you no, can cut fine. it out? No, I'm not going to cut it out. It's going to be cool. Don't worry about it. All right. This is from Brian Minogue, uh, and it's long and it's uh, somewhat uh, um, uh, angry. <laughs> but uh, you know, I thought there were some valid points, and uh, and I, we say we invite all perspectives. So I think it was only fair to read it. Brian says, first, I'll say I'm only through episode four, so your podcast may have improved somewhat. Don't think it has. Um, <laughs> I think you're wrong. I think it already has. I'll hold out hope, but you hammer the shit out of a show you purport to love. Uh-huh. Ironically, your show is evolving one podcast to the next, but you just pound on every element of TNG's first few episodes. Don't be hypocrites. It's unbecoming. So just off the bat, I say I think this is a valid point. I think we are certainly, as, as a rookie bro- uh, podcaster, I would say I certainly have much more to learn. Um, I don't. I don't think I Matt can't has possibly learn anything else. <laughs> he's he's reached his, his plateau point. <laughs> um, but uh, I uh, I also feel like the purpose of the show is for a long time obsessive and fan and uh, someone who never got on board to uh, discuss the show. So I feel like uh, you know I shouldn't be tempering my honest reactions. Um, Agreed. Um, the idea is great, but I get flummoxed by the fact that you spend half. This is back to Brian. Yeah. You spend half the podcast talking about utterly unrelated shit. Um, I don't, I don't know what he means by that, that I don't, I feel like if anything, I feel like sometimes we should digress more and we don't, <laughs> um, cause it's, it's so on task. I think it takes all kinds, you know, some people like, some people don't. And the other half ripping horrible writing. Do you have uh, the expectation that characters will be fully realized in the pilot? You seem aware of character development as a concept. So maybe go a little easy on the first season. 
Uh, my thought is I don't. Well, uh, my, go ahead. My thought with the character development on this show is that these the character development we're ripping is bad. It's, right. You're you're not giving me a formed human being. You're not giving me a character I can relate to. You're not giving me a personality. Right. And I do feel like some it's... characters do have great personality out the gate. Picard, Data, uh, Jordy, um, Worf. I also feel like mo- I, I could be wrong on this. I feel like most of the time we critique the uh, characterization. It's based on the characterization that they themselves have already set up. Yeah. Not, not adjustments to the characters long term. But I could be wrong about that. Right. Um, so he continues. That said, yes, there are episodes and char- uh, that and characters who genuinely suck. But there is an element of the ridiculous in trying to graft modern sensibilities onto a show written thirty years ago. Food for thought. Mm. I feel like that is valid, but I also feel like. Don't we have to judge it by our modern sensibilities if we're sort of going over it and revisiting it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'd expect you as professional writers to know the difference. Oh, this is what we're really getting into. I expect you to know the difference as professional writers and the difference between less and fewer. So apparently we made grammatical errors uh, in our in our use of less and fewer. I could go on and on, but it's just not fun. To listen to people bitch and bitch and bitch while shift gears. See what I did there? He made a little joke then. Um, I don't. I would be curious to know when we misuse less and fewer. Um, I certainly feel bad about ever making those kind of mistakes. Well, we'll try to do it fewer. <laughs> uh, I love the concept of your podcast. And I've been thinking about your rating system. <laughs> so this he shifts gears into giving, which I think is valid. He's, he's trying to help at the same time. Seems like you could range from space duck uh-huh. to infinite velocity. Warp 10, as Matt knows. Maybe something. And then he goes into a, a bunch of things I'm going to. I'm going to pass over. I'm sorry. So we're going into warp factors, you're saying. So we're stationary. We're at space dock. And that's that's the worst an episode can be. And the best an episode can be is traveling in all places at all times. That's Existing right. everywhere yes. at once. Okay. Um, alternatively, I guess, and I don't know, do you want the specifics of one quarter impulse and everything? No. <laughs> okay. Which I'll, but I'll read it later. Okay. If I enough. have it, I don't need the audience. To. Alternatively, I guess you could tell me to go fuck myself. Uh, I'm just throwing shit out there. Seems to be a theme. Oh, because we talk about the, where the shit goes on the, on the ship. No, I don't think so. He's only up to episode four. Oh. I think he's just referring to us, just throwing shit out there. And I making see. Making the podcast. Gotcha. Um, finally, most of your fans haven't worked in TV production. While most people can gleam meaning from context, it might not hurt to flesh out industry terms for the uninitiated. So I feel like we have tried to do that as we go. But um, honestly... I don't know. Do yeah, you feel if, like we get too insidery? Mm, I mean, I think maybe a little bit sometimes, but it's nothing that I don't... I mean, I try to explain it. If there's anything anyone isn't getting... If, if, we're, if we're ever like that, let us know. We'll happily explain it. For honestly, you. yes, we're both both uh, uh, giant windbags. So anybody, any tweet at us, write us. We're happy to explain anything and pretend we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think I just locked into my voice. I know where I'm supposed to hold the mic and how. Congratulations! Out. This is great, guys. So you can be you can be satisfied about that part at least, Brian. Even though that was one of your complaints. Um, Not yet. I. <laughs> 
Uh, he says, I lied. The above was not my last paragraph. As much as oh I my God. bitched about your bitching, I will wholeheartedly get behind any and all bitching regarding Dr. Pulaski, the single worst character in Here's all the, the franchise. Thing. Everyone hates Dr. Pulaski, except Matt. Matt. Oh, Matt Myra loves Matt Myra does Dr. not Pulaski. mind Dr. Pulaski. Now, I will say, my memories of Dr. Pulaski are, are fairly distant. Uh, because I haven't revisited the second, first and second season, I rarely ever rewatch because I don't, you know, once they switch uniforms, thumbs up. Right. Riker gets a beard, obviously, at the beginning of the second season. Um, and there are some second season episodes I enjoy quite a bit and watch here and there. And in those episodes, I don't mind Dr. Pulaski. Well, I, I don't know. Do you want to get into so this? Because I, I, don't, I don't have much reference point for Pulaski and her. Plasky for me was more like uh, she was a little bit more of a mean. She was right? a McCoy. She was McCoy, right? Yeah. They were going for a female McCoy. And she was butting heads with Data, much like McCoy would butt heads with Spock. Do you know why? I don't know if this should we save this for for when that switch happens? Because I'm curious why Gates happens, McFadden switch happens back. The people didn't like Beverly Crusher, or the producers didn't <sighs> like. Oh, yeah. Interest. Oh wait, the, oh, we'll have to dig into that. Yeah. Anyway, all the best and get your shit together. Um. So that wasn't that painful, was it, Matthew? No. Let's hope we get our shit together. Um. Thank you for your thoughts, Brian. Uh, I do feel like there is a certain element, Brian, of your saying that we're nitpicky, and um, and uh, you, you know, you you seem like a similar personality, and I think all of your nitpicking is fair, honestly. Um, I don't have a sound effect for the prime corrective, and I don't know when in the letters it should happen. Now. Right. Then but let's do the prime corrective, then jump into the episode. Okay. Oh, you don't want to hear it. I have other letters after that. I think you should really cultivate your letters a little. It's not on you. Right. that the, we're, we're just getting so many emails, but I think we can... Well, I feel like I should skip ahead then to the Q things, because I didn't... That's really the purpose of the letters, is talking about... Uh, talking about how much you love Q? No, just talking about Q issues from the Q episode. Okay, well, let's talk about Q issues. Do you what you want to talk so You're impatient. in control. You know what, Matthew? I think you need to, to work on your, your patience level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or perhaps you have an accurate read on how impatient the audience is. Anyway, there's only two two emails. Just, just I mean, we're 25 minutes in, and we're still talking about email. Holy crap! Are we 25 minutes in? Yes. All right. Well, you're right then. But let me just finish up because I'm OCD and that'll bother me. <laughs> Catherine David wrote us, love the podcast, but oh, Matt, you've been away from the Bay State for too long. In the debates about flagships, you said that the USS Constitution is in Charleston, Massachusetts, Charlestown. Well, all right. She says, of course, it's in Charlestown. So he corrected himself before no. I could get the correction I mean, out, Catherine. Maybe it was just my accent. Could be. Boston boy. Is there a Charleston, Massachusetts? I don't even think there is one. I don't know what to tell you, Catherine. Well, Catherine, you and I agree on a lot of things. Your your prime corrective fell apart. No, it's fine. Um, David I misspoke. Rishu uh, wrote us, he wrote us about the flagships last last time. Yes, Enterprise is a flagship at certain times. Any ship oh, can be boy. a flagship. No. Or you no. don't want to hear it. Okay. Well, I mean, go. if he has a, if he gets to a point beside, outside of Star Trek, I will listen to him. When an admiral or other flag command officer is stationed aboard, but it wasn't for this episode. Like I said, a little nit. However, uh-huh. there was a follow-up letter from Troy Ray who says, hey guys, I would argue that the Enterprise D uh, meets the second definition for the flagship. Uh, that that uh, David Rishu uh, had sent us. 
Um, Starfleet is not a military organization. That's, this may not be apparent since the organization is so ensconced in naval trappings, but navies don't necessarily have to be military. When it becomes clear on television, uh, on, and television isn't until Enterprise, when the military boards the ship because Earth goes to war with the Zindi? Is that my yes, that correctly? correct. Um, everyone has their bloomers in a bunch because military troops are on a Starfleet vessel. It's sacrilegious. It's an it's anathema. But Captain Archer is down. What do you think? Uh, I look forward to visiting Enterprise. Um, so I have a bunch of things about... I mean, I guess it's like, you know, if... A lot of the astronauts, not but not all of the astronauts, were ex-military. The, weren't they yeah. all? Oh, no, they were. Oh no, they weren't all military. No, not. Uh, um, oh, I mean, obviously they were scientists. I mean, not until Apollo seventeen did a non-former military. No, that's when I was talking about the, the history, right? Yeah, but yeah. Um, uh, and then I have uh, three Q letters, but I can save it for another time. Three Qs. Go for it. The continuing Q conversation. Uh, Matt and Andy. Well, it's true that um, this is about omnipotence and omniscience. Oh, my God. Had it? Semantics. If it's true, one, uh, if one is truly omnipotent with absolute control over matter, energy, and time, then the only reason for not being omniscient is lack of effort. It's laziness combined <laughs> with Q's arrogance. Yeah, could be. That's from Trent DuPont. Secunda, Q is not omnipotent. He is godlike, but he is not everywhere. He has the ability to be everywhere. Uh, while he has the ability to go anywhere and see anything, I don't believe he has been everywhere and seen everything. Right. Uh, that's from Ian Russell. Connor Shapiro writes us, um, I was re-listening to episode three, and Matt... Um, is this oh, a wait, corrective? This is, this, is, this is not the same thing. Sorry. Um, I'm skipping that one for now. Hey, uh, hey guys, great podcast. Uh, and then um, Paul Cole quotes from Voyager... Death Wish. Yeah. Quinn, who's going to Q, Q kill himself. You mustn't think of us as omnipotent, no matter what the continuum would like you to believe. You and your ship seem incredibly powerful to life forms without your technical expertise. It's no different with us. We may appear omnipotent to you, but believe me, we're not. Mm. Um, cool. That's it. All right. We queued it up. We did it. Cue it up. That's our new segment where we talk about Q and Andy's <laughs> problems with Q. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for The Big Goodbye. Production number 113 aired January 11th, 1988. Or start 8419977.7. Andy. Yes. What happened? January 11th, 1988. I'll tell you what happened. Oh boy. oh boy! Oh come on! I I set it up. Where is it? Dixon oh. Hill, you are not. Oh crap! Uh, I can't find the freaking thing. <laughs> this is so horrible. All right, January eleventh, right? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. This, is so this episode upsetting. was written by Trace Torme and directed by Joseph L. Scanlon. All right, I got it. And. Andy has some information for January right. 11th, You're 1988. You're going to have to queue up uh, George Harrison's Got My Mind Set on You, because oh. that was number one. Got my mind set on It was Monday. I got my mind set. Oh, hang on. Well, here, I'll just All play right. it out of my okay. iTunes library, because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's George Harrison. Sure. Uh, it was Monday. U.S. President was Ronald Reagan. 
Got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison was number one. Heaven is a Place on Earth, Hanging In by Belinda Carlisle in the UK at number one. Uh-huh. The Brits love Belinda Carlisle, and I got to agree with them. Good Morning Vietnam, directed by Barry Levinson, was one of the most viewed movies. And uh, The Cardinal of the Kremlin by Tom Clancy was one of the best-selling books. Amazing that George Harrison had yet another number one hit. He really... He really had a long career, a long and storied career. Best Beatle, if you ask me. What? 100%. George Harrison. 100%? Not even a move? Not even a room for argument? I said, this, my statement was, the best Beatle, if you ask me, 100%. That's what I said. That's fair. Ah, oh, George. Are you saying this word is no what personality-wise or songwriting ability or All lyrics the whole thing across the but board one hundred percent personality-wise if you As watch the Beatles innovator? anthology you watch the Beatles anthology yeah the only person you can imagine having a conversation with for any length of time is George well I'm you're talking about personality then I am he seems like he's the most grounded certainly he's the best Beatle and he was invested in I think he helped. Holy Grail get made and uh, Life of Brian he fully funded, fully funded. But yeah. wasn't he also involved with Holy Grail? Listen, he loved Python. As he showed, he had good comedy taste. Guy's a genius. Therefore, he probably wouldn't have been too into our podcast. <laughs> He's out there right now amongst the plants. <laughs> he was a gardener. Did he ask for his ashes to be scattered amongst? I think his ashes, yeah, were Hollywood State, uh, in London. No, uh, well, not London. You know. In England. Sure. Okay, guys. So the big goodbye. Here is your synopsis from the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Protocol is all to the insectoid Gerada, who insist that they be greeted successfully in their own tongue without fail before diplomatic relations can begin. It has been 20 years since the Federation last tried to contact them, and the demise of a Starfleet vessel that failed is a tale so horrible that no one, want, no one wants Data to repeat it. To relieve the stress of his preparations, Picard tries a little role-playing in his favorite holodeck program, a 1940s hard-boiled detective named Dixon Hill. He is so excited after a short holodeck visit that he takes Data, Dr. Crusher, and literary historian Waylon, a.k.a. guy that is just there to get shot, back with him. But a long-range Jadaran scan glitches the holodeck programming and the game turns deadly when Waylon is shot by the mobsters and the party is trapped with no exit. Wesley and LaForge try to make repairs, but a wrong move would kill the players. Finally, the holodeck is opened, and the mobsters gleefully leave, intending to plunder the Enterprise. But, of course, they dematerialize. Hill, uh, Hill Picard's police friend, in a metaphysical twist, ponders about the reality of holodeck inhabitants as, the watch, as he watches them go. Still in his trench coat, Picard emerges from his stressful play, at last delivers a Jadarian greeting perfectly to his bridge crew's applause. Yeah. That is the synopsis of this episode. All right. I was really interested. I really was thinking. I was really into the idea and the concept, and I had high hopes for it because I loved piece of the action in uh, the original series. Yeah, but which is an entirely different concept. Well, I the realized that too late. Suits. I know. Well, yeah. First officer's log, Stardate 41997.7. We are about to make a brief but necessary contact with the Harada. 
a reclusive insect-like race. I pronounced it so wrong. idiosyncratic attitude toward protocol. How would you have done it? A precise greeting. I said Gerada as I was reading. Picard. Their language is most unusual. The slightest mispronunciation is regarded as an insult. All right, what do you think about protocol? Um, I wondered if... Um, they have the whole backs. Also, by, by side side issue, I was like, why are they not? They, whenever they don't show the person immediately on screen, and there has to be a conversation about show us show us yourselves on screen, I'm always like, well, this is a budgetary issue or some weird thing. And it clearly is if they're in, insects, they're giant insects. <laughs> and then later, when Data yeah. has the other thing of like, why don't we look at the uh, video of the uh, the horrible thing that happened? And everyone's like, no, 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 no. It's clearly also a budgetary issue. Do you think it was? Do you think they really intended to fully put them on and do that whole thing? What do you mean? Like, do you think the writer? No, I. Well, I don't. I know. think this was just an excuse for some holodeck fun, and they had to build in this B story that no one really cared about. Oh yeah, I think they were like, eh, I don't know, some big insect creatures. Definitely, but I just feel like they, they, you probably saw them on screen at least at some point, and then some that was written out when yeah. they realized how much the 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 thirty stuff was going to cost. <laughs> But whatever the case... Wait, everyone's got to get their own suit? <laughs> Guy's got to cut these big bugs. I guess a lot of that stuff was probably available in the uh, Paramount back war- warehouse. Yeah, they probably had a few lying around. <laughs> um, but protocol-wise, I am curious. So they, in the past incident, the Harada met, say, with the Federation or whoever it was. Yeah, it was the Federation. I assume did some terrible thing like, you've insulted us, and they've torn the heads off the, the whoever the ambassadors were or the ca- captains. Mm-hmm. And now the Federation is sort of approaching them and kind of like, come on, let's, let's figure this out. What if it wasn't so terrible? Uh-huh. What if instead the insects beamed over a stomach virus uh-huh. that made the crew shit everywhere? Interesting. I guess that's possible. You know? This is why we need a Matt's Unpleasant Theory theme. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I mean, maybe we don't jump to murder. I, I don't know how much diplomatic relations you'd want to be opening up if they destroyed a ship. It's true. They also uh, they also could have just sprayed them with some kind of horrible insect. It could have been a scent that they could never get rid of. Yeah. And they had to mothball that ship. And they yeah. couldn't even take it apart for parts because all the parts smelled bad. That would be a great non, uh, non-war terms kind of terrible thing to do (laughs) (laughs) we will make your ship stinky (laughs) um so my my you can scrub and scrub the carpet it will never come out (laughs) vengeance is ours exterminate (laughs) smellify um my my number one thing at the top of this episode is my number one is Riker. (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) I'm the one slowing down the podcast. <laughs> um, Picard is uh, is amazed by this technology. Oh, would you like to hear him describing it to the conference room full of officers? Please do. Okay. When I looked down into the street, I actually saw automobiles. I apologize for that Automobiles? Mm-hmm. An ancient earth device used primarily for transportation. Ah. Also seen as a source of status and virility. Often a prime ingredient in teenage mating rituals. Teenage mating rituals? From that window, I could see an entire... Um, Ooh. City block. That's right. He is very excited. Oh, so animated. You make it sound so real. Well, that's how it felt. Incredible. 
Hmm? Oh. Oh. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to go again. Only this time, I'm going to dress the part. Why not come with me? I don't understand the... Uh, yes, I'd like Dressing that. for the I holiday. I want to take that uh, 20th century historian. Um, Who, Whalen? Yes, Whalen. That 20th century. knows more about Dixon Hill than I do. Shall I tell him, sir? Invite him, Mr. Data. This is supposed to be a recreational activity. The sense of reality was absolutely incredible. When that woman kissed me, it was so... Exciting? Real. A lot of subtext. So, uh, I got so many things in this scene. Please, Andy, I'm here to help. Okay. Um, first, uh, so they carry over a joke from the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Um, Picard gets kissed by the lady. You know immediately that there's going to be a bit about that because it's so apparent. Uh, so, A, he has lipstick on his face. Which would not leave the holodeck. That was going to be my question number one. Yep. So that's issue number one. Then second, B, uh, it was a joke after the teaser. So the teaser is the... See, now I feel like I'm going to start boring people because I'm explaining these terms that they probably know. The teaser is that first thing before the credits, the first section pot of content. It's a cold open. Um, Cold open, right. So you would come back from commercial. You're not still thinking, what happened to the lipstick on Picard's face to pay off a joke which is just... Beverly wiping it off his face. It's not that good a joke. Well, it's one thing I don't ever expect from Star Trek. It's good jokes. God damn it. I quit the message program. Why did that happen? Not on me, folks. Um, if I was a Borg, I would destroy you now. Um, so uh, so that's B. And then C. Mm-hmm. Um, three-pronged attack. A terrible continuity on the, on the makeup, on the lipstick. <laughs> It's like he walks out and now, it's just here's like, the thing. terrible. I'm sure that someone is going to try to give me a bullshit answer on the lipstick. They're going to say things like, well, when you eat in the holodeck, uh, you're eating food because it shares a lot of uh, similarities with the replicator system. So in the holodeck, it can make food. And when you leave the holodeck, you're not suddenly empty stomached. Although, by the way, that's where I eat all my meals if that was the case. Um just for the environment. Just to gorge myself, walk out, and the food is no longer in my system. <laughs> oh, genius. They should be able to do that, right? You could probably I mean, beam food out of your stomach after you've eaten it. That's why no one's super fat. That is the reason. Um, Holy crap. Has anyone ever theorized that before? Uh, I probably spent more time thinking about it than anyone else. Oh, my God, Matt. Um, so, I, you know, I know you could probably say that maybe they're there was a replicator system in the sharing some similarities with the holodeck and that the lipstick was a real substance and that's why he was able to leave the holodeck with it but uh, i'm not buying it well there's also the weird thing just to just to skip ahead so we don't have to deal with it later when um lawrence tierney and the other guy walk out of the holodeck they don't disappear immediately they sort of slowly dissolve like well back that, to the future guys that for me i was okay with that because they were they had not left the doorway Oh, is it so the sort hollow, of a, there's the hollow an emitters? The hollow emitters could still reach out there. I see. Do you know what I mean? I see. Fair enough. That's why I, I didn't have that much of a problem with that portion of it. Fair enough. Um, okay, so then Wesley and his teenage mating rituals thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Which was amusing, but it is unclear. He's. It's not even necessarily lust. He's kind of just like 
I think he knows Teenagers not of, of, of sexual desire. I think he's such We're a... We're talking about sex. He's such a boy of uh, of Star Trek. You know, I mean... Starfleet boy? Yeah. He such loves... Starfleet boy. Another great idea for a spinoff, by the way. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Cartoon, perhaps? Saturday morning cartoon? I would watch Starfleet Boy. That's our idea. Don't the, take it. The theme song would be the 80s song Tarzan Boy, but it would say Starfleet Boy. Huh. I just saw a thing on Twitter that was Bigfoot and Wild Boy. That was an actual show in the late 70s. I have no recollection of that. It's crazy. Starfleet Boy. Mmm. <laughs> I think we got a, we got something on our hands here. Anyway, my digression is over. Okay, now let's talk about Beverly and Picard. Let's talk about it. Um, what do you want to talk about with them? I what I there what uh, here's <laughs> Picard. Picard going. Why not come with me in this serious way? And yes, I'd like that in front of all of his serious and senior officers, all of his senior officers. Yeah, and then just like it seems so real, and just like so. A, are we supposed to believe that he had sex with the lady, or it's just the kiss? I think it was just the kiss. I think we saw everything we needed to see. Well, then I tell you, Matt, that uh, that leads me uh, to a theory. Oh, where are all the bathrooms at? a cat is data just pretending to be so dim no one knows the answers least of all him it's andy's theories i think picard is a virgin whoa <laughs> i think if you look at the evidence that is amassed thus far and it may be disproven mm-hmm. he has no children does he uh he does not have any children um uh he is so excited by the kiss he's so oddly awkward with beverly and you go even go back to naked now and that's when all his inhibition is supposed to be removed and his interpretation of sexuality is to go <laughs> and um it is a great and sound. not be able to handle it <laughs> um, i think there may be a possibility that this is this is a guy who has really overcome a tremendous amount of of uh, social awkwardness and uh, lack of experience to uh, to become a, a Starfleet captain. Well, Andy, that's an excellent theory, except I think it's entirely wrong. Well, I think he's had all the sex. All the sex. You all think he sex. has not just had sex, but that he is promiscuous. I think he's had all of it. And what I mean by all the sex is I mean every species he got his hands on. Uh-huh. He went to town during in, in the academy days. Interesting. There you go. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. smart. Yeah. <laughs> Great theory, Andy. <laughs> um, uh, that's all I got for this section. Oh, that's all right. Don't worry about that because I got plenty more where that came from. My next one's 1130. That's are so, you beyond that? That's so far. Okay play it uh, i'm not i'm not queued up no, i thought you had here. you said far the Haradan rendezvous is still 11 hours away i am about to re-enter the world of dixon hill this time properly dressed 
An experience like this is more enjoyable when shared, so I've invited our fiction expert, Whalen, to accompany me. Dr. Crusher will join us shortly. Whalen. Whalen. Now, why... That guy, you could tell, has a target on him. I mean, second come team. on. Yeah. Why does he... Why does the ship need a fiction expert? He's a, he's a 20th century a, historian Why expert. is that a Starfleet specialty? Is that the only thing he does? Here's the thing, by the way. He's a he's a 20th century historian. Because if he he's is, you would have to assume... Expert. Is he a fiction expert also? They say both. Oh. <laughs> that, is, that is the most enviable... Ju- he, that guy's got to do nothing the entire time, and yet he's in Starfleet going across the galaxy. Uh, you know what I did? What we did sort of miss that I'd like to touch on a little bit is that B story of, of the protocol. I'd like to... Just very quickly go over the first scene where Troy is trying to explain to Picard how to speak to these people. Before you do that, just to just to completely talk talk this out, Waylon, if that is his only job, he must just be sitting in a room, fucking reading and just like chilling. And then the second's like, "Hey, uh, Captain Picard wants you to come into the holodeck." Oh, yeah, Captain Picard, is it? I'm gonna go do something. Oh Finally, <laughs> honey. <laughs> Don't wait up. <laughs> Captain needs me. Nobody needs you on this ship. Oh, we'll be back. Why are you dressed like that? You look like one of those space queers. <laughs> what? Why did I marry a, <laughs> a very 1990s unen- Bostonian? <laughs> very unenlightened for Starfleet. Uh, Waylon, I think it's going to work out. All right, go Andy on. actually is this this Halloween. He told me he's going to be dressing as Waylon for Halloween. <laughs> Should I dress as Big Goodbye Waylon or perhaps injured Waylon? <laughs> it's all up to you, my friend. <laughs> that will get uh, that will get me uh, one less uh, um, person who understands who that is than my uh, than my last. Um, my last, my last year, uh, yeah, I dressed as Matthew Modine carrying, <laughs> carrying uh, um, um, the uh, uh, 13, 7? 11. 11. <laughs> Not as much of a Stranger Things fanatic. You're, you're also talking to someone who has never seen it, so. Wow. And yet I somehow know more about your amazing. costume than yes, you do. than I did, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so maybe I can't blame people for not knowing what the hell I was. Uh, <laughs> I myself don't even remember the uh, name of the character. Yeah, this is at uh, 20, uh, 14. <laughs> I, I, the point I is, I'm Matthew Modine. <laughs> Matthew Modine did tweet back at me, though. Hey. It's very exciting. Modine loves the Clippers. Have you ever seen? No, it's not the Clippers. It's Matthew Modine uh, at a WNBA game. No. Most excited human being you've ever seen in your life. Oh, good for him. Uh, kids at home, Google it and thank me later. Here is Deanna Troy explaining how the Haradin. Stars indicate an Top. elongated S sound. And the inverted T means to hold the Z. Unless. <sighs> Unless it's followed by. Three wavy lines, in which case the Z becomes a B. Exactly. <sighs> what a language. Uh, but you spell knife with a K. I spell knife with an N. But then I never could spell. <laughs> well, I don't buy that. I don't buy it either. I think all the man does is spell. He's got to be literate in every sense. Okay. A, a Shakespeare fan that knows yeah. that much? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Also, here's my. Here's the first problem. This happens uh, about. 49 seconds into the show mm-hmm. 
here's the first problem with this episode. Okay. Playback a recording. Why is he reading this language? Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Why is he why does he need to know that three wavy lines make a Z sound or a D or whatever the fuck it is? That's true. When he could just Okay, so let's say Deanna Troy is an expert linguist and she understands this language. Right. Which I a hundred percent buy. She's a ship's counselor. Mm-hmm. Maybe she minored in language at Starfleet Academy. Why doesn't she record her speaking this pronunciation one hundred percent correctly? So right. that Picard could memorize it that way. Or speaking even further, is is Deanna Troy teaching him the most advanced uh, system of learning a language? Like they haven't advanced past Pimsleur in the future. Like it seems like <laughs> they would have something that could. All um, right. So B plot solved. <laughs> On to the A plot. Fair enough. Um, I just had a. Should I go to where I was? Yeah, sure. Where are you? That. I'm at 11:30, and uh, it's just to me a scene that is indicative of either the under-editedness or the under-editedness in terms of the writing. I have it. I'll, All right, I'll well, I have play. it too. But mine, go ahead. Mine sounds better. It's this and the next scene. Great. Why would the captain not want to review all available information on the subject? Data. When you've seen the Haradan react once, you don't ever need to see it again. This Dixon Hill is a most puzzling character. Not really. He was just a 20th century Sherlock Holmes. Ah, but was his modus operandi not dissimilar? Worth investigating. Indubitably, my dear Data. Indubitably. Computer, request all biographical information on fictional character Dixon. So we're now in a scene that that is uh um matt misinterpreted my my head nod as a cut it off but he also probably wisely thought that this is going oh no i thought you too long it doesn't know i don't have anything else in the scene other than it's a long scene of dana data googling which i remember was a complaint you had about uh him in in a prior episode (laughs) well it's also my other complaint about this is he's not at his duty station right he's not at ops right now sure why does he go to the fucking bridge to do his googling he has a quarters that is essentially just a giant terminal for the ship's main computer. I think, again, they probably didn't want to build the data quarters uh, set that boy. day. Well, they build it next week, so. Um, yeah, but uh, my main point is um, both of these scenes are, to some degree, purposeless. We've already seen data be interested. We could, in a line... In like what's going to happen in this uh, in in the, yeah, the conference some... room scene, he was already interested in the 20th century and had all these details. There's redundancy there, yeah. He just walks in with his suit. You don't need either of these scenes, and um, and I guess it points out, I think, part of what my original um, lack of hooking into this show was in this first season, because I think later they went in the direction. I'm interested in what you're going to say. I think, I feel like as... For the first time. The show, (laughs) and I could be wrong. I'm basing it on the few episodes I remember. As the show got its footing more, it would, it got really got a handle on teaser um, with a hook, and then it builds the plot. Not always. Really, really, not always. Mm -hmm. Not always. All right. Well, um, that, you know. That is uh, one of my common complaints. Okay, but but keep going. Um, hang on one sec. Oh, you have a Andy's common complaint, Jingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Andy's common complaints. Please. Okay. Um, but uh, it felt like they, over time, they got a handle on the story moving forward at all times. And early on, I think they were more in the mindset of, let me build the characters, let me see the characters interact. And my feeling is, you can only do that if there's some arc to where you're going in every scene well, I other than just information. And that's where a show would become more soapy. Here's the historical problem with that, though. The problem, on, on particularly on Star Trek The Next Generation, is that they were trying to win over a new audience. And they're trying to get these characters to be known in a way that three of the most iconic characters in television were. Um, and they were, you know, they were behind the eight ball because they were dealing I, with the fucking phenomenon of the original series and trying to earn people. Like, I mean, when this show came out, I remember going like, fuck that show. Kirk and Spock forever. A hundred percent. You had had a bunch, of, a huge contingent of people, including me, that were pre, um, were preset to, to have uh, I mean, in many aggression ways, toward this show. In many ways. Was this not the first reboot? Uh, of Star Trek? No, I just mean like in general. No, that can't be. I can't think of anything right. Oh, well, first of all, Battlestar Galactica 1981. <laughs> uh, was that four years apart? 77 to 81? It's, I don't know when the first one ended. Uh huh. But there must have been others also. Um, you're saying as opposed to a spinoff or? Well, what I'm saying, I mean, yes, it is a spinoff and it's not a reboot, but it is, you know, it's this sort of. It's got that. It's so second nature to everybody now, where we have movies of you know with the Ghostbusters, we're gonna do Ghostbusters again, or we're gonna do. Um, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. RoboCop. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. <laughs> sure. Um, you know. By the way, Dredd is. Far superior. Oh, without question. I just realized it was Alex Garland who did, um, who who uh, did Ex Machina that wrote the original or that wrote Dread. Yeah, didn't direct it. Yeah, such a talented fellow. Well, I think we could be talented if we weren't wasting our time talking about how bad people were in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, my main my main disagreement with what you're saying is that. Even if you go back to the original series, and this is why I have a little less forgiveness for them not handling scenes like these two scenes with a little bit more dramatic oomph is even if it wasn't serialized in the original original you had such a clear conflict between spock and bones between uh you knew what the the relationship was always playing out well, between kirk and spock and her personal conflict which is something that gene rodney wouldn't allow but why would he not allow it when it was so effective in the original series he hoped that humanity would evolve beyond that but it didn't by the 23rd century, so why would it have by the 24th? I guess you could yeah. argue that it would have by the 24th another, century. Another generation, 80 years later. I, well, that's, that's a really interesting point, that it's like, well, people wouldn't argue in the future, but it's like, well, all right, well, then you're going to have to come up with something more interesting for us to watch, which I guess they eventually did. They did. But, There's seven years of it. But it's very difficult to watch at this point. Star Trek, I support you. Don't listen to Andy. <laughs> You're just feeling defensive because of that uh, mean guy's email. Dixon Hill, this time properly dressed. An experience like this is more enjoyable when shared, so I've invited our fiction expert now, Whalen this, to accompany me. Doctor Crusher. But I just wanted to hear their, them ready talking to each other. Ready for San Francisco, Mr. Whalen? More than ready, sir. 
Well, if it's anything like last time, I'm sure you won't be disappointed. I told my wife not to wait up. <laughs> she said I didn't even belong here, that I serve no purpose on this ship. I am totally versed in the genre of the period. Well, shall we? Do you know how excited they must have been to get there and see their costumes or fucking suits? So Instead excited. of the one piece that broke their backs. If you want to stop for a second, by the way, sure, uh, Waylon, I did a little bit of a of a deep dive on, and um, he didn't have that many credits. He was uh, only five credits on his IMDb, um, but the one that I thought you'd be interested in is in the pilot of the Tortellis, he played man. <laughs> I don't know if you remember who that is or... How familiar uh, you are with the Tortellis comparison I've never to Cheers. Seen, I've never seen the Tortellis. You've never seen the Tortellis? A Cheers of fan of your magnitude? I'm fully aware of it. Um, and I'm aware of all of the Tortellis. Uh, of course, Casey Kasem's wife. And um, what's his name? Character actor who um, plays... Nick. Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya. Uh, super funny on Cheers. They were great. I could see why they would spin them off. But... The characters are all so heightened that I have no idea where they would have gone with it. Yeah. So, I, I, but I've never seen it. You know, the other thing I've it, never it seen. It wasn't good, but it was. I know, it was canceled immediately. But Dan Hadai was always entertaining. Dan Hadai is great, great talent. Um, the other thing that I haven't seen that I've always wanted to see is the television version of A League of Their Own. They did 13 episodes of it. Interesting. Yeah. You were you were a big League of Their Own. I was. I was. I am not. Uh, well, that's what makes me me and you you. Um, I have a thing. It's not. I don't have a clip, but just wanted to talk about when the Harad and scan. Oh wait, you're not finished with your clip. Go ahead. No, it's quite all right. We play plenty of clips. Uh, I think I'll jump to when Beverly uh appears. Very so, good. do you want to talk about the Harad? No. Oh yeah, just just sorry on no. the Harad and when they when they scan and there's a disturbance and Riker. What's says, on the Harad? Uh, what's that? It's like Horizon. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I'm sorry to everyone. Words that, <laughs> um, you don't apologize for my wordplay. That mean guy was right about us. Um, the Haradin, uh scan them. They cause a disturbance. Riker's getting pissed off as always. <laughs> Riker has a super short fuse, and he a says particularly short in this episode. Definitely, he says he says to Jordy, "Find the captain. He's in the holodeck," which has happened before. It's like go go and find the person. What well, can't they just? I mean, can we at least do the moment where it's like, Captain, you're needed on the bridge, and then they know something's wrong with the holodeck, and then you move that up, which points out another issue I have. Um, the 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 teaser just has him seeing the holodeck, whereas the teaser should have been he's trapped in the holodeck, and then Act One should have been that no. that Wayland dies, and no. and Act One. No, you're wrong. There's six acts. I know this is the problem. They don't have enough happen in each act. You're 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 crazy with what you think should have happened. Minimally, it should be Act Two, the end of Act Two. Wayland doesn't die until the end of Act Three. Uh huh. That's too long. I disagree. For them to realize he there's an actual at all. Thing. Well, whatever. All. Until he gets shot. Until he actually gets injured in the possibly non-injured. Uh, it is a while until they realize there's actual danger. Yes, that's very very true. Uh, happens, you know. About the midway point of the show, but I think I I I find the pacing of this to be fine, a little slow. I don't hate it as much as you do, but here's how this should have worked. I'm going to solve this now 
we are 18 minutes into the episode. I'm going to officially solve the problem. Okay. Of the story. Of the story. I've already solved the Harada thing. Okay. He listens to a recording. He memorizes it. Great. Not stressful. Doesn't need to relax in the holodeck. Episode's over. But let's say he, oh, I've memorized this recording. Uh, I've said it back a few times. Everything's a-okay. I'm going to go relax in the holodeck. Let's say this problem happens. The Harada probe them and the holodeck breaks. Here's how this should go. Beverly Crusher attempts to enter the holodeck. Uh-huh. The door keeps opening and closing, opening and closing. Right. Beverly Crusher touches the button on the outside and says, uh, Crusher to LaForge or Crusher to Engineer Soto, the holodeck that Captain Picard is in is malfunctioning. Could you fix this door so I don't get cut in half or so that I can enter? Right. That happens. The door being open at this point, they would be able to pull Captain Picard out. Now, right. let's say that doesn't happen. Okay. Let's now move on to the part where they need the captain and the captain is nowhere to be found. I'm not going to send a lieutenant from the bridge down to find Captain Picard. I'm going to say, computer, locate Jean-Luc Picard. Computer is going to say, Jean-Luc Picard is on holodeck two, sir. I won't say sir. I will then say, LaForge, get down to transporter room three. Beam the captain to the bridge. We need him right now. Mm-hmm. End of episode. Well, then I think at that point they would realize they can't beam him out of there. I assume that there was a... There they was... have at no point discussed beaming him out of the... See, they I... also, in this episode, yeah, a wounded bloodletting of a lieutenant is happening... And their solution is data pick up Waylon. Well, that is true. They should just they should just beam him. That's valid. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Although I I forgive the thing of not beaming them out. I assume that they were that's they had not, lost contact completely. That's they not on you to assume. They couldn't scan them. That's on them to tell us. Well. Why would they be able to not hear them? It is a question. Did they ever explain what's going on? No. Well, that's a, that's a problem with just that there enough, was a malfunction. There's not enough techno sometimes there's, babble. Yeah, sometimes there's not enough techno babble. Sometimes there's too much. Sometimes there's not enough. Actually, yeah. there's never too much. I love techno babble. <laughs> he would. This is uh, Beverly showing up on the scene here. Right. A very visual moment. She's walking into the police precinct. I would have queued this up better. You probably would have, but you didn't hear her trip like I did. Hiya, Doc. What's cooking? You know, I had some trouble getting through. Where's Captain Picard? He's on ice. Pardon? He's being grilled. What is he, a fish? He's being interrogated. They think he committed a murder. They still grill fish in the 24th century. That is odd. Why aren't we all being interrogated? Maybe I should go and help him. I like that line. That's fine. He's having the time of his life in there. Well, why should he have all the fun? Um, I, they're all acting like they've never been on a holodeck before. 100%. Although I enjoy Beverly's antics a little bit more than I enjoy Picard not being able to process anything. How being, so? Uh, I feel like it's much. it feels more out of character how Picard is acting. 
And um, you feel like Picard is acting out of character while he's in character of Dixon Hill? <laughs> no, out of character is Picard reacting to the holodeck, whereas Beverly feels a little bit more like when she sees the prostitute. I thought that was a funny bit that she's like trying to look like the prostitute, and then she's like, "Oh, she's prostitute. A prostitute. She's I a prostitute. I missed that entirely." The girl next to uh, yeah, I Beverly, know who you're talking about. The girl she the lifts. She sees that the girl is showing a lot of skin. She pulls her skirt up, and then a second later, a cop totes the uh, the girl away, and she's like, "Ooh, sorry, I shouldn't be doing that." And then she covers up again. Out the door. I thought here, my honestly, I read this as she was like a witness or something. I did not think she was a prostitute. All right, well, I mean, one of us is more forward thinking than the other, and guess who it is? Um, you know what? Matt, we're going to find it out in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Role of prostitute was played by Brent Spiner. What? Um, she looks kind of like Jennifer Tilly. All dressed up? Not uh, Crusher, the the woman next to her. Come oh. on, Toots. Let's go. You telling me that moment doesn't say she's a prostitute? No. But I do like the cover-up. The modesty. That's Captain Picard's uh, interrogation. Yeah. Don't want to spoil anything for a scene we're not going to play. All right. So the holodeck is malfunctioning. What do they do? They send the boy. Andy's still looking at the credit, by the way. (laughs) Have you tried the intercom? Yes. Riker to holodeck. Riker to holodeck. I liked this prop, by the way. Yeah. This prop of this thing where you can look in, and I don't know what you're supposedly looking at, but I, I beautifully designed. No, sir. What can I do? Oh, it's really great. I agree. We have to go through this millimeter by millimeter. Why'd you agree so late? I was reading. (laughs) Easy, Wes. Slow it down. If there's an anomaly, you could go right past it, okay? Uh, why doesn't why don't you look at it, Super Eyes? <laughs> anyway, that is valid. <laughs> so many valid criticisms of this great show that I love. Andy, go. Uh, no, I'm obsessing over this thing. What are you obsessing over? I'm, I'm trying to find somewhere in the script where it, where it clarifies that she's a prostitute. <laughs> why? <laughs> because I have to prove you wrong. Oh. But I don't care if I'm wrong. You may not care, but I care. (laughs) So strange. So foreign to me. Uh, While Andy's doing that, I would like to now play the the real sexual tension between our star, Jean-Luc Picard, and our co-star, Gates McFadden. Okay. What are you going to take with I like the look the cop, his cop buddy gives when he sees Crusher and then looks at Picard. It's like, it's like, oh God, here goes Dix again. Have a good time. I don't know. Sometimes it almost seems too real. I must say you wear it well. I'm glad you could make it. <laughs> that's so they were leaning that's maybe that's his hard thing. into this. Yes, very. Maybe we should be getting back to the Enterprise. We are on the Enterprise. Oh, yes. Of course, so we are. Do we have time to see your office? Mm. Yes, of course. Why not? 
They're going to go get it on. They are totally going to go get it on. Captain, uh, mind if I join you? Yeah, me too, boss. I'd love to take a gander. The shake-off from Crusher. The holodeck makes excellent use. She's really like as heavy as they've ever leaned in on this so far this season. Yeah. Uh, Andy, I see that you have a script. I don't think it's in the script. I think that this was uh, an improvised moment on set or it was rewritten into it. It was a little comedic moment that they created. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting. So we have no clarity on it. Well, if you're out there and you wrote this episode, Trace, yeah, please. Oh yeah, well, I kind of want to have Trace, Tracy, Trace Torme, Tracy Torme. Uh huh. I kind of want to have her or him. You think? Could go either way. I don't know. Um, on the on the podcast, just so I can ask. <laughs> uh, gonna find out right now. Oh boy, he's done a lot, including he. Did you clarify it? Uh, or are you a sexist, Matthew? Uh, I have clarified it by noting that his father was Mel Torme. That doesn't mean he's a girl. He's a boy. He might be a girl. The sentence that his father was Mel Torme? Yeah. Might be a... Might be a wait, it says his father? Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were deciding it was a his. He created sliders. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Oh, we should know that. Worked for Saturday Night Live. He did. What did he do? Was he Odyssey right? 5, Star Trek The Next Generation. What did he do on Saturday Night Live? And Hot? Carnival. What did he do? I assume he was a writer. I, I mean, the man's still working. He's only... He's I, only... I find that heartening that he was... He went from uh, from SNL to... To, to Star genre. Trek? It's just going to be... That's what you want to do, huh? You want to go into genre? I don't know. I'd like to mix it up. All right. You know what, Andy? I'll allow it. Thanks. You can mix it up. You're telling me Jerry O'Connell did not stay on for the full five seasons? What the fuck else did you have going on? Whoa, easy on Jerry (laughs) O'Connell. I mean, I just find it crazy. I don't know. Wasn't it? I, mean, I guess was after, that a cable show or was after, that a network show? It was show? Fox. It was Fox. Oh, I think Fox. just I, yeah, it seems like that would have been Jerry a good O'Connell. Thing, Jerry O'Connell. I'd like to publicly apologize to you. I didn't realize <laughs> that John Reese Davies left after season three. So you stuck it out one more year, and then you're like, "Come on, guys, the show's falling apart." Totally get it. You have my apologies. I apologize on behalf of him. Um. Okay. Back okay. to Star Trek The Next Generation. All right. We're sliders, up on this. Let's slide out of our sliders detour. Um, the Picard comments the holodeck makes excellent use of finite space. Yes, it does. Do you have a... What is, what is the science? How does the holodeck work? Uh, it projects images at a, at a distance. Mm-hmm. You know, it uses forced perspective. You're, what you're hearing right now is the audio cable here, which I can turn off, but not it turn would off. Stop for a second. Yeah, well... It is what it is. I don't really know how to do that. Is it this? Is it this? Is it your phone? It's your cable. It is your cable. Andy, why is your cable being a dick? Oh, I turned it up just so you could hear that. What should I do with it? We should get a new cable. It was the cable all along. You're not as loud as me. Bring it up. It was the cable all along. (laughs) 
Um, what were we just saying? I'm sorry. I got distracted Holodoc, by this. Holodeck. Holodeck. How the Holodeck works. Yes. Uh, think of it as you standing on a treadmill that can move in any which direction. Right. And everything around you being projected in force. And what happens if you have more than one person running in opposite directions? It does not account for that kind of thing, honest to God. The technology, as stated, shouldn't it shouldn't work with more than one person in there. Oh. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um... All right, my next thing is much later. Well, then let's skip to much later. Um, just Lawrence Tierney comes in. Yeah, uh, he does. We have a lot of great. Dick Miller is in there. The one of the Dick Miller and Lawrence Tierney, you could argue, are amongst the most prolific and known tiny character parts from the you know forties through the sixties through the eighties. Like they've just Lawrence Tierney of Reservoir Dogs, Dick Miller of uh, Gremlins, and. Uh, everything Joe Dante's ever done, going back to Roger Corman, just endless, endless things. Just guys that are great to see, and you get happy when you see them. I do. The uh, The last person is um, is uh, Harvey Jason, who plays Leech. Leech! And um, he seems like he's he's played uh, the voices in a lot of recent uh, Star Wars Galactic Battle. It's not recent, it's from 2001 Star Wars, Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds. Hey, it was 17 years ago. That's pretty recent. Oh no, is that sound back? Yeah. Good day, Mr. Hill. My name is Cyrus Redblock. I hope you don't mind us dropping in. I see I have no choice. <laughs> life is an endless stream of choices. Unfortunately, you have chosen to make my life more difficult. I don't suppose you'd be foolish enough to hide it here. I, uh, I don't suppose hmm. so. Still, I'm sure you won't mind if we take a look around. I wish you'd quit asking since it's obvious you're going to do it anyway. It's just a waste of time. I like this little Good run. manners, madam, are never a waste of time. Civility, gentlemen. Always civility. Get that stiff out of here. He's not dead. His pallor, he soon will be. Want I should throw him in the garbage, boss? Ah, the room next door will be good enough for now. Don't touch him. Which, <laughs> Mr. Blue. Hey, I'm off. Oh, I turned you a little bit down, but you're not actually off, Andy. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the holodeck is malfunctioning. Bullets are killing people in this, or, or you know, the holodeck safety protocol. Hi, you said killing. He's not dead. I did. I did, and I apologize. Checkmate, Matthew no, Myra. No, hoisted. Um. So safety protocols aren't working. Again, uh, unexplainable thing. A probe scanned it and and broke it. Can you get? You can. I seem to remember this from Voyager. You can get hurt in a in a uh, holodeck. Like you can break your arm and everything, but you just can't get super hurt. Is that the way it works? I mean, they can fix a broken arm pretty easily. So yeah, um, there are safety levels uh-huh. and safety protocols. You can have at different levels, and if you want to turn off like the, safety the danger protocols, room. you need um, you need 
command officer authorization from two officers, I believe, two senior officers. Interesting. That'd be a funny conversation. So when <laughs> when Data wants to practice killing, he needs him and LaForge to do it. Yeah. Um, when you'll, you'll see that in season seven. Is that really true? Yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> See, already, every time you mention something like in a future episode, that sounds awesome. When's that? Seven years from now. Um, Only three years in podcast time. <laughs> uh, my next thing is way at the end. Lawrence Tierney and the guy go out. They slowly dissolve. Um, and my next thing is um, is just this weird semi-romantic moment with the the police captain character at the end. Oh, mine is with the um, romantic moment between Wesley and the holodeck. Um, yeah, I know. I'm hearing static too, and I'm I'm not 100 percent sure if it's actually it is. Eh, could it be your microphone? My nanobots. You don't have nanobots. Guys, we just hit record again. That's why Andy was talking about nanobots. We're even having fun off the air. <laughs> um, okay. It's really beginning to irritate me. It's now snowing, Andy. Oh, my goodness. I wish that had happened about five more times, by the way. Sure. Like 100%. in a different thing. 100%. Would have been very cool. That's it. That's the way into our world. Remarkable. Is this a two-way passage? Can one enter your world and return to this one simply by stepping through? Oh, yes. Allow us to help, Mr. Whalen, and we will return with the item. <laughs> you really are a scamp, aren't you? Do you actually think I'd stay here you and wait? You are going to go through yourself, sir. That is not possible. One look at you, sir, is proof that anything is possible. Step aside, Mr. Hill. I'd shoot you myself. But I don't want to deprive my assistant of his greatest pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, it's a microphone problem we're never going to figure out. Oh, that's annoying. Would that have been doing it? No. Well, maybe. Who knows? We'll find out. Um, so the holodeck problem gets solved by Crusher looking into the isolinear circuitry of the holodeck? And looking for anomalies? Uh-huh. Finding the anomaly? Did he find the anomaly? He starts to explain, and then Riker says, I don't want to hear about it. Just uh-huh. do it. Yeah. But it would help. <laughs> uh would have helped okay so you wanted to play the romantic moment between dixon and his cop buddy yeah i wish i could take you with me the music is helping your case yeah someone has to book this creep once a cop always a cop i guess i have to go This is the big goodbye. I guess if Picard really was a... Uh, had never had sex, then he wouldn't really understand... Tell me something, Dix. What children are? Any romantic interaction with males gone. or females. 
Will this world still exist? Will my wife and kids still be waiting for me at home? I honestly don't know. Kind of a cold ending. Yeah. He could just say, Tough luck, hold a holodeck guy. What should he say? He should have just said, Yeah. <laughs> Computer and program. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Don't worry about it. My computer and pro. <laughs> also, who's the creep you got a book? Because, oh, the guy that Data punched and knocked out. Right. And now we're going to hear the weirdest moment in Captain. the history of Star Trek. Ready as I'll ever be, number one. Open hailing frequencies. Frequencies open, sir. This is Jean-Luc Picard, captain of the Enterprise. Ad klaxon ris blaj blan arnik karnik. Ad trasulah. Does Ras- sound very insectoid, Ras- FYI. Trasulah. You have honored us with your words of greeting. A new day dawns between us. That applause means war. Here's my theory, by the way. (laughs) They had specifically written out this bullshit for Patrick Stewart. That was the 18th take. He finally nailed it. The cast applauds. They you, leave it in. You think it was that important <laughs> to the writer? What to if the it writer, was? A, what if like, it was you're like not pronouncing the yeah. the Haradan language correctly? What if it was an Andy esque writer who struggles over the word? I can't. I can't dispute. That. <laughs> I, I would have been the person that I was mocking. Dad, excuse me. Yeah, that's not right. Uh, I didn't write it that way. The language I took time inventing on my week off. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want to dabble in the hour-long world. Um, so that's the big goodbye. Big goodbye. Holodeck malfunction. Unexplained, really, what happens. Safety protocols get turned off. Someone almost dies. And the problem gets solved by some unknown means. And Picard delivers a rousing communication with the new species. Or an old species. Yep. Hmm. Um, I feel like um, to to go into uh, the Andes. Oh, we're going into the Andes. Uh, am I rushing it? No, I love the Andes. Okay, it's my favorite part of the show. Well, that's audience good. favorite. The Andes, or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Um, I feel like the we disputed we we had a debate about this, but I feel like the um. The, the story structure is just they wait too, far too long for stuff to happen. And I think part of that might be based on that at the time, the holodeck concept, um, which they really developed uh, for mass uh, consumption um, a lot themselves. So I have to give them credit for that. But I think they were depending on, isn't it amazing? It's a holodeck um, as 
like plot turns. Yeah. Like then this, they can do this in the holodeck and it's not really a plot turn. And I feel like all that should have been crushed down to the okay. beginning and then more stuff should have happened. Well, it really sounds like you're not going to give it that many Andes. Um, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, um, I like that they went into the holodeck. I like that they went into the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's relatively coherent. Um, so I give it, uh, but it's not uh, that interesting an episode overall. So I give it uh, four Andes. Wow. Four Andes. Yeah. That's higher than I thought you were going to give it. Oh, really? Uh, I've made a decision. Okay. On how I'm going to be ranking the Andes. Oh, FYI, before you even say this, mm-hmm. Ben Senman uh, tweeted at us, one of the factors for the number of Andes should be based on whether you would show this episode to someone. I don't, feel free to take that into account uh, okay. or not. Okay, sure. Similar, sort of where I'm heading with this, actually. Very good. Uh, I had a feeling. Here's, here's how I'm going to start viewing my Andy rankings. Okay. How watchable is the episode? Uh-huh. That's reasonable. Uh is it something if I'm flipping the channels and I see it on BBC America, will I watch it through to a commercial break? That's a that's a low threshold. Pretty low. Just but there's to, a lot of episodes I will not watch through a commercial break. Just to a commercial break. Yeah, it's never gonna keep me over commercial because I know I can just fire up the Netflix machine and get it full. Uh-huh. Um so by that standard, I'm giving this episode three andes it's less this yeah. is classic this is classic you and me <laughs> you lead in as though you're gonna be saying three andes it's higher and you're actually saying it's lower there's some scenes i would definitely watch again three andes but i'm only giving it three andes yeah well when i see the later episodes this may be pushed lower in my evaluation but thus far i would say it's pretty on par with i can't wait for our end of the season awards yeah. We're going to do a season one awards episode uh-huh. where we're going to give awards for best episode, worst uh, performance, best guest actor, many categories. We're going to help. We're going to be helped uh, out by the fans. They're going to help us pick categories. Oh, that's it. Send in categories. It's going to be a big event. Uh, oh, what do you mean you're saying help us choose? Yeah. Now, are we going to choose or we're going to let the fans choose? Or we have two different categories. Oh, no, no, no. We choose. Okay. But they just can weigh in. <laughs> yeah. And we could also just, we could each have our, we could each only, f- we could find out who we're each giving the Andy to. Sure. So, uh, by the way, again, these awards are called the Andes. <laughs> um, and it's going to be choice. happening uh, at the end of season one. We're going to do it every season until we're dead. <laughs> um, well, let's get uh, going down that path and find out who the MVC is. Okay, who do we think? Well, there's only one answer. There's only one person who did anything in this episode. Young Wesley Crusher. He did get them out, but wasn't Picard the one that tricked them, tricked the guys into walking off the holodeck? That was that was a meaningless trick. 
Well, he's because at any that. point, Data, who's a bulletproof and b stronger than anyone in the holodeck, could that have was stopped crazy. everyone. That was crazy. So uh, my answer, of course, is Wesley Crusher. <laughs> what about uh, Picard learning the language? <laughs> I mean, that was a huge thing. You know, it was it was a big. Uh, or you could say Troy for training uh, Picard. It was the most valuable, probably, moment to Starfleet. But uh-huh. of the drama of this episode, I feel like the most valuable crew member was Ensign Wesley Crusher acting Ensign. I would agree with that reasoning. There you actually. go. We both give it to Ensign Wesley Crusher. Yeah. Hopefully Will Wheaton will be here to accept his award at the end of the year when we tally up the MVCs. <laughs> You're stacking the deck. I think to it's going to be a great episode. To try and get poor Will Wheaton on this show. Maybe we'll do it live at the UCB if anyone cares. Oh, nice. Uh... Um, I think that's that's the show. That is the show. Uh, Folks, if you want to tweet at us, and please do, all Mm -hmm. your questions and comments, it's uh, at Star Trek TNC. Mm. If you want to write us an email, uh, you want to give it it a shot, Matt? (laughs) Yeah, if you want to write us an email, you can email us at some variation of the following. Star Trek. <laughs> Not even close. ST- TNC pod. STTNC pod at gmail.com. <laughs> um, and uh, and please go and uh, um, go to iTunes and uh, give us a give us a rating. And Tell a friend. If you're like, hey, I know. You. Tell Every, friends. Everyone's doing this hashtag tripod thing. Sure. Tell someone to hashtag tripod us. Do it. Uh, other than that, I, I, go fuck yourselves. Uh, I don't agree. Oh, well, I don't agree. Hello? Hello? I'm back on the bridge by me. Goodbye! Disengage! Disengage!